0: No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you we all mine? I never was good.
0: Welcome back. I'm Katherine Marsh. And I'm Melissa Hopmeyer,
2: and this is No Gray Zone Podcast, a new month and a new series. We hope you're enjoying the new format and that you've learned a lot from last month's focus. Did you know that
0: along with Black History Month, February is also Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month? And so this month, we're going to focus on this very important topic of teen dating violence. A recent study has that one out of 10 teens has already experienced dating violence in a relationship. And as we told you last month, intimate partner violence is an epidemic and the relationship behaviors we see at home or experience as teens can drive our relationships as we get older. Teen dating violence is a real problem in this country and it's important to talk about. Melissa and I see way too often in our regular job, young people who come in who are already victims of intimate partner violence and are already starting to bear those scars. So we're gonna cover the truth behind teen dating violence. We're going to cover what we can do as parents to help our teens, signs or symptoms that friends can be looking out for, and more. We also have a fantastic interview lined up this month, and we're going to explore as our case study the very tragic case of the State v. Marcus Shipman. This case involved the murder of just a 17-year-old victim at the hands of her on-and-off-again boyfriend.
2: So it's going to be a very busy few weeks, so we hope you tune in, and we hope that the information that you gather and learn over the next few weeks spurns action whether it's action to help a loved one trapped in an abusive relationship whether it's teaching your kids about healthy relationships or volunteering with one of the amazing foundations and organizations that are doing the hard work on the issue of teen dating violence we hope that this podcast helps
0: make a change and helps you make a change in your community absolutely i mean that's the whole reason behind the no gray zone podcast So I think if we're going to talk about teen dating violence and the signs and symptoms, it's important to make sure we're all using the same definition. We need to know what is teen dating violence. Absolutely, you're right.
2: And when we talk about teen dating violence, it is a type of intimate partner violence, which we covered last month. But there are some differences. Some similarities are that, you know, it's still involving physical violence, sexual violence, stalking, and psychological aggression against an individual. They can be male or female. But the main difference is that we're talking about kids, right? We're talking about people under the age of 18 or when at least one of the parties is uh, under the age of 18. And we know that children, whether they're 17 and think they're a child or not, they, they respond differently to violence. Their brains are not fully developed and that can have a really traumatic effect and can affect them well into adulthood.
0: You know, Melissa, you provided so many examples when it comes to teen dating violence that include physical violence, which most of us have the mental image or the concept of. The same with sexual violence and psychological aggression. But I think stalking so often gets overlooked, especially in the teen dating violence realm. Or in many ways, it's considered, you know, sexy or a sign that the person really likes them at first, and it gets missed. when we're talking about stalking, that can be showing up where the teenager is working, showing up when they're out with friends at another place. And what seems like romantic, oh, he or she just wanted to see me, is really that stalking and following behavior. And it's something that we need to know as a warning sign and to have a conversation with our kids about. But when we're talking about having conversations with our kids, it's important to know when we should start having those conversations and listen. As a parent of an 11-year-old, this sounds impossible to me, but loveisrespect.org reports that violent relationships can start as early as 12 years old. So we can't wait. We owe our children to start talking about teen dating violence, to start talking about body autonomy and the respect that they are due in a relationship as early as we can. Respect.org also shows that girls between the ages of 16 to 24 experience the highest rate of intimate partner violence at triple the national average.
2: You're absolutely right. Uh, You know, it's it's kind of scary to see that ages are so young and stalking is definitely an epidemic in this country. But when you're talking about intimate partner violence, especially teen dating violence, and you look at some of the statistics, in fact, according to the CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Survey and the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey, one in 11 girls and one in 15 boys reported experiencing teen dating violence in the last year. That was a 2019 survey. So that's a pretty high number. And we don't know the number during the pandemic. I I expect it to be higher. You know, intimate partner violence is on the rise, but- This is happening to kids in our community.
0: You know, the number that really struck me among female victims of intimate partner violence is that 94% of those ages 16 to 19 were victimized by a current or former boyfriend. And it's really young. I mean, you're just starting to drive at that point. And I recall when I was 16, I didn't know anything. According to youth.org, almost 70% of victims experienced their first time of abuse by a partner by the age of 24. 22% occur between the ages of 11 and 17. And I think too often our youngest people, when we're talking that 11 to 17 range, think, but they love me, or this must be an acceptable sign of love because it's my first relationship.
2: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, as we discussed with intimate partner violence, teen dating violence disproportionately affects communities of color and the LGBTQI plus community. And and I just don't think that, you know, there is enough education out there in our schools, on podcasts like this, that really focus on those communities that are especially vulnerable. And I know that you've heard Catherine and I say it, and, you know, we'll continue to say it, we think that education is such a huge preventative tool. And it can really play a huge role in driving down numbers in intimate partner violence,
0: especially teen dating violence. That's true, across the board. Because when it comes to teen dating violence, we as parents are generally clueless. According to a 2004 study through the Family Violence Prevention Fund and Advocates of You, 81% of parents believe that teen dating violence isn't an issue, or admit that they don't know if it's an issue.
2: And you know, what's even worse, Although 82% of the parents that were surveyed felt confident that they could recognize the signs if their child was experienced dating violence, when those signs were shown to them by the surveyors, A majority of parents, 58%, could not correctly identify all the warning signs of abuse. And this is based upon a Teen Research Unlimited study, and it's from 2009, and we'll put it in the notes if you want to look at it a little bit more.
0: And so you may be asking yourself, what are the signs? There are a ton of them, and we're going to post links in our notes, but you can find the signs on the CDC, Love is Long, One Love Foundation, and the National Domestic Violence Hotline. They all have great resources. But some of the red flags to look out for are definitely excessive jealousy or insecurity, unexpected bouts of anger or rage, pressuring a partner into unwanted sexual activity, and that includes unwanted sexting. I think that often gets overlooked and blaming you for the problems in the relationship and not taking any responsibility for the same. You're absolutely right. And when we talk about
2: the Marcus Shipman case study later this month, our listeners are going to see some of those warning signs. You know, I saw it as I was preparing to prosecute the case. You know, it was too late for our victim at that time, but hopefully our listeners will get something out of it. And as you mentioned, there are some great resources. I think one of the really good ones that I have found is that the CDC has developed a program. It's called Dating Matters, Strategies to Promote Healthy Teen Relationships. And it created a tool for teens and parents. It's focused on forming healthy relationships and stopping dating violence before it starts. Again, prevention and education.
0: So if you have young teens or even middle schoolers, please check it out especially if you have middle schoolers, as we've learned, you know, it can start at 11 and at 12. So we want to make sure our middle schoolers aren't forgotten. And and I got to tell you, you know, as much as I handle these cases, Melissa and I have seen these, Melissa had that horrific homicide. We still need help ourselves when it comes to how to talk to our children about it or how to teach them ways to recognize the signs themselves, which is why this dating matters tool is a really great resource out there for parents. And we need to have these conversations early because the other thing we know is that teen dating violence has long-term effects on our kids. 50% of teens who experience teen dating violence have attempted suicide. That's 50%. Compare that to 12.5% of girls or 5.4% of boys who have not been in a teen dating violence relationship. And Female victims of teen dating violence are six times as likely to become
2: pregnant, twice as likely to get an STD. It also increases their risks for substance abuse, eating disorders, and other risky sexual behavior like trafficking. Our kids have a hard enough time during this age of social media. They have so much on their plate. We need to do all we can to help protect them against
0: teen dating violence. And Again, that's through prevention, through education. And we know these conversations are never easy and it's not necessarily what you want to sit down and talk to your child about after a long day. So next week, we're going to focus on what parents can do, what resources are available so that we are all better armed to fight against teen dating violence. But for now, what we want you to know is that if there's an emergency,
2: please call 911. And if you need help or you need help on learning how to talk to your teen about it, you can also reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number is 1 800 799 SAFE or visit the website at
0: thehotline.org. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you so much for joining No Gray Zones podcast. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can find us on social media at No Gray Zone RRC on Instagram or Twitter, and No Gray Zone on Facebook. There are no excuses when it comes to sexual assault or not having the
2: right response when it comes to sexual harassment. Thanks for listening. This has been a No Gray Zone podcast.
1: I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good.